Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. 1 Peter is a book written with a specific view to God's governmental dealings with his people. It also lays out very clearly that as God's people, we should expect sufferings and persecution from time to time in our Christian life. But Peter does not just leave us with the sober realization that God will measure to us sufferings and trying circumstances in order to discipline us. Actually, the book opens with and concludes with grace. In fact, all throughout the book, Peter encourages the believers with grace, not a superficial religious expression, but marvelous expressions that convey to us four divine acts of grace to be our supply, our strength, and our empowering to be kept in perfect peace regardless of the outward situation we're faced with. John Pesters joined us, our final program in First Peter. John, it uh, closes on a marvelous note, doesn't it? It's a marvelous ending because it ends in experience. The entire book of Peter is based on experience and not doctrine. And it reflects Peter's experiences with the Lord, his failures, his successes. And at the end of his ministry, he realizes that everything is of grace and everything comes from the God of all grace. And this shows that experience is central to our Christian growth, our Christian development. And uh, Peter summarizes it all with his reference to the God of all grace who has sustained him and brought him through this process in his entire life. And so it's a marvelous summation of Peter's life, and it should be the process that we're in and the summation of our life that we could look back and say that in all of our experiences of suffering and all of our experiences of discipline, we have experienced and known and been even in the God of all grace. I think maybe we point out, I think in a number of previous life studies, not just in Peter, talking about grace, realizing this is one of those Christian terms, John, that's really undersold, isn't it? I mean, it involves and implies and conveys, according to Scripture, so much more than has become the common uh, way we treat a word like this. Well, the God of all grace means that grace is God. Right. In all of our experiences, we should have an experience of God, which is an experience of grace. It's not just some unmerited favor, some material things that we get. It is God himself being dispensed and imparted into our being. The process that Peter went through was a process of him knowing and entering into God and knowing God as grace in the midst of all of his circumstances and all of his trials and all of his tribulations. And that should be our experience. We should realize that when we say grace to you, we are really saying God to you. An experiential God that we have living in our human spirit should be our day-by-day supply and our day-by-day way in which we live in this world and we encounter all of the anxieties, all all of the persecutions, all of the sufferings, even all of the discipline, mm-hmm. we engage them by being in the God of all grace, and that brings us through. 
And as we've you know seen throughout this whole uh, life study of First Peter, these things you just mentioned, the discipline, the uh, persecutions, the sufferings, the anxieties, Peter experienced all of these things as he writes and presents the salvation from all these things. This is his experience being conveyed to us. It's a most practical and experiential book, isn't it? And that's why it's so encouraging, yeah. because we are all like Peter, but Peter demonstrates in his writing, in, in his choice of adjectives, in his use of words, it, he demonstrates that he has experienced these. He doesn't just know them in a doctrinal way. These are not religious lessons to Peter. These are experiences of God in his human spirit as grace. Mm. Well, you mentioned adjectives, and we'll see uh, in this uh, program today these verses that uh, we're covering, verses 10 through 14 at the end of chapter 5, the last verses of the book. Uh, Peter's use of adjectives is very significant. Let's read a couple of these verses. I want to pick up verse 9 because it connects to verse 10 where we really begin today. Being firm in your faith, he writes, knowing that the same sufferings are being accomplished among your brotherhood in the world. Then verse 10. But the God of all grace, he who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, will himself perfect, establish, strengthen, and ground you. To him be the glory and the might forever and ever. Amen. All right. Marvelous terms, marvelous adjectives. And here's Witness Lee to help us uh, uh, understand this in a full way. Now we come to uh, the verses 10 through 14. This is the closing message of the first book. And this is titled, Perfected and Grounded by the God of All Grace. Verse 10. But the God of All Grace. But indicating a contrast. And the contrast is between the sufferings in verse 9 that the same sufferings are being accomplished in your brotherhood in the world. Without verse 10, there's no hope. There's no encouragement. My, to be a Christian is nothing, just to suffer. The same sufferings are being accomplished in your brotherhood. It's quite discouraging. So, in the following verse, right away, Peter says, but, but, the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself perfect, establish, strengthen, and ground you. My, have you ever heard such a term in the entire Bible, 66 books, the God of all grace? In the entire Bible, this is unique only once by Peter. The God of all grace. Christians say God of mercy. I don't believe anyone has ever used the article the God. The God of what? Of mercy? No. The God of grace? Not adequate. Peter uses always top, big adjectives. All is an adjective. It's top, all-inclusive. Not only the God of grace, but the God of all grace. The God of all grace. You have sufferings, but God is the God of all grace. 
John, we've marveled on a number of occasions at Peter's use of language, and here we have this phrase, the God of all grace, not God in a general way and not grace in a general way. This short phrase conveys a lot, doesn't it? Uh, Especially the word all. Yeah. The God of all grace. God was not just a God to Peter who he experienced in limited ways, in limited circumstances, at limited times. He experienced God as the God of all grace. In every circumstance, in every situation, God was there for Peter as grace. And all grace refers to the riches of the bountiful supply of the divine life in many aspects, which is ministered to us in many steps in the divine economy. It's very significant that there are many steps in the divine economy, in many steps that are involved in our daily living. There are sanctification, our transformation, our confirmation, our glorification. These are many steps in the divine economy. And for us to progress in these steps, there's many ministrations of life. And this life that comes to us and that brings us on in these steps, that brings us through these trials and these tribulations, that conform us to the image of Christ. This ministration is a ministry of the divine life. It is life that comes to us. It is life that operates in us. It is the divine life of God himself. And so when Peter says, all grace, he's referring to the living God who was available to us to meet every need, every situation, every circumstance. God is there bringing us on. So to Peter, he was not just the God of grace. He was the God of all grace. You know, when I communicate with someone in my letters, Mm -hmm. I often conclude with grace to you because to me, I am saying to that person, may you experience and enjoy Christ. But just lately, I've had the realization, I need to say much grace, much grace to you because there is so much more in all of our experiences of Christ that is available to us if we would just reach out, access, open ourselves, open our being to the Lord and call upon him as the God of all grace, we will experience him in many situations, in many circumstances, and eventually he will become all to us. You mentioned a letter. Actually, I had the occasion to write a short note to um, a brother in the Lord whom I knew was going through a particular hard time. And I didn't address the hard time, didn't even reference it. But I've been in this portion. And so I happened to mention and quote a little bit of these verses of Peter and how he presented grace to us and the God of all grace, and the true grace, and the varied grace, and the multiplied grace. And the conclusion, as we'll see in the final section, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but is peace to all those who are in Christ. And this brother wrote me the kindest note back. He says, that was such a tremendous encouragement to me. You do not know how the timing was perfect. You know, it was one of those uh, situations. And I I have the same realization. We, We need to be full of and convey the much grace to all the people we come in contact with because, as you pointed out, this grace is just God in Christ himself. Praise the Lord. Well, John, let's go forward here, and we want to come to verse 10 again. The God of all grace, he who has called you into his eternal glory after you have suffered a little while will himself perfect, establish, strengthen, and ground you. Again, we want to underscore the adjectives. We'll see uh, carry a lot of meaning in Peter's word. But God is the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory. Not only into glory, but into eternal glory. Not into temporary glory, into eternal glory. No limit in time, no limit in space. Eternal, 
No limit. No boundary. Eternal glory. In Christ, after you have suffered, here he says, a little while. <laughs> a little while. I will say just a while. But Peter uses all adjectives. You see? And this is not the top adjective. This is the bottom adjective. You see? Not all grace. Not eternal glory. But little while. Our suffering is just a little while. But our glory is eternal. This God of all grace will himself, indicating God's personal activity in the work of grace, personally perfect, establish, strengthen, and ground you. These four predicates indicate a progress in the four divine acts of grace, perfecting leads to establishing, establishing to strengthening, and strengthening to grounding in God of all great triune God in his dispensation as the solid foundation. Firstly, he perfects us. We are not perfect, but through the persecution as can suffering, we got perfected. Then after perfecting, he establishes us. To make us established, no more shaking or wandering. Then he strengthens us to uh, empower us, to make us stronger. And eventually he grounded us. He grounded us just in himself as the triune God. Now to him, be the glory and might unto the ages of the ages. Amen. To him, to this God of all grace, be the glory and the might. John, we can't, uh, I think, help but realize that Peter's life, again, just demonstrating this uh, marvelous divine truth, these four divine acts or stages of grace, the perfecting, the establishing, the strengthening, and the grounding, uh, really Peter's experience, isn't it? This is Peter's exact experience, but in order to understand that it's Peter's experience, we need to have an understanding of these words, perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and grounding, because in many respects, we think it would be just the opposite, that grounding would come first and perfecting would come last. You know, we want to arrive at a stage of being perfected as our Heavenly Father is perfect, and so we think that perfecting would be the, the end stage, but actually, Peter has it as the very beginning point. He refers to perfecting as the starting point. And in order to understand that, it's very good to have the recovery version with the footnotes and the cross-references because this word perfecting is the same word that Paul uses when he's speaking to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13.9 where he speaks about and encourages the Corinthians to be perfected. And this word perfecting doesn't mean that you've arrived at the final stage. What it really means, it means restoring and it implies repairing and adjusting, and it is putting in order again, mending, thoroughly equipping a person. 
And this is what Peter needed at the very beginning of his experiences with the Lord. He needed a lot of mending, adjusting, restoring, and being brought to a point where he could be educated and receive from the Lord. And this is our experience. The Lord comes in and he begins to work on our humanity, mending us, restoring us, adjusting us with his sufferings, with his trials, with his tribulations, with his discipline. We get restored to a point where we can be educated in a way of life to receive. And then we can be established, we can be strengthened, and ultimately we can be grounded in the triune God himself. The goal is to be grounded, to be rooted, to be based, to have our entire being in the triune God. And for this, we have this all grace that supplies us and brings us through every circumstance, every situation. If there's a need for mending and adjustment and restoring, grace does it. Mm. And, And in contrast to that, all grace in this marvelous progress, progressive stage in God's economy. There's just a little suffering. And for Peter, the little suffering is worth it because in this process, we go from being called to eternal glory. And the price of that is a little suffering, the adjusting and the mending and the restoring and the educating and then ultimately establishing, strengthening and grounding. I think your point here is really a good one, this matter, especially that the, the concluding stage is the grounding. You know, you look at Peter's life early on, and at one moment he's boasting he'd never deny the Lord. The next moment he is denying the Lord, and then he falls into deep despair over his failure. And then he's exalted, you know, on the day of Pentecost. He's up there boldly proclaiming again. I mean, there's certainly the signs that the Lord is working and many times present with him, but he seems to be sort of all over the landscape. But by the end of his life here, just now as he's facing and about to experience his own martyrdom, He has been grounded. He is unmovable. He's unshakable. And this is the glorious result. Early in his life, you could find Peter in the highest revelation and in the in the lowest. Just a few seconds later, he could be in the kind of the lowest dungeon uh, of despair because he's just, you know, has to be rebuked by the Lord for giving ground to Satan. But at the end of Peter's life, if you would touch Peter, you wouldn't see these wild fluctuations. If you touched Peter at the end of his life, you would touch a person grounded and rooted and staying in the triune God. The book, uh, John, as we mentioned early on, concludes with the matter of grace leading to peace. Uh, In verse uh, 12, he says, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying fully that this is the true grace of God. So we have the all grace. Uh, Verse 10, now we have the true grace of God. Enter into this grace and stand in it. And then verse 14, the concluding word, greet one another with a kiss of love, peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. And John, I'll mention as we prepare to listen here, you talked about the footnotes. We're going to hear Witness Lee in this last portion even read a footnote on this verse, and uh, I would just recommend that to our listeners. I think a good uh, demonstration from our brother of how valuable these notes can be. All right, here's Witness Lee, our last segment of the Life Study of First Peter. At the end of this book is peace. At the beginning and through this book is grace. Peace to you all who are in Christ. You have to read the note in Christ, right? Peter stresses the fact that the believers are in Christ. It is of God and through our faith and baptism that we are in Christ. This results in an organic union with the triune God and makes us one spirit with the Lord. In Christ means so much. It is not a small thing that we are 
in Christ. We have an organic union with the triune God, and we are made one spirit with the Lord. So we are in Christ, and this epistle is written to this kind of people who are in Christ. It's quite meaningful. So you have to realize Peter's writing is very, very experiential, and it is altogether not superficial. It is in the depth of the truth. Even the matter peace, when he uses peace, he uses peace in a much deeper way, not like what we use. See, let me read the note to you. You can realize peace results from grace, issuing from the enjoyment of the triune God. Such enjoyment of God as the multiplying and multiplied grace, the varied grace, the all grace, and the true grace as the reality of the contents of the Christian life under the government of God issues and results in a condition of peace with both God and man. We have to understand such a short word, peace. You better read all the notes and all the verses of this book concerning these two words, grace and peace. Your mind will be revolutionized in understanding these two short words, grace and peace. Okay, very good. Well, I like the way he said that at the end, so I included it, John, for the concluding word of this life study. Very good. I could listen to and sort of muse over the words of that footnote, and plus the words of uh, Peter in verse 14 uh, over and over again. It's truly marvelous, isn't it? What's marvelous about this particular footnote is it shows the link between grace and peace. Most people think there's such a thing as grace, and then over here on this corner, there's such a thing as peace, and they don't see the connection between grace and peace. The grace that Peter is talking about is the grace that comes from experiencing the triune God in your Christian life that's under the judgment and government of God. And in that life that we're living, God comes to us and he supplies himself to us to meet our need in every situation. He's there disciplining us. And on the other hand, he's there supplying us to bring us through these trials and tribulations. And this grace is a grace that, like we mentioned before, brings us through this process where we are adjusted, where we're mended, where we're restored, where we're strengthened, where we're established, and ultimately we're in the triune God. And so this grace brings us and issues in us being in the triune God, and the only way for us to be in the triune God and to enjoy all that the triune God is, is there to be a intimate oneness, an intimate relationship of peace between God and man. God is happy with us, and we are happy with God. And God is our source, God is our enjoyment, God is our strength, God is our supply. And so grace brings us from a negative condition in need of perfection to a peaceful condition of being grounded in God. And so that is the significance of peace. So this is the marvelous conclusion of a life that's under the government of God, that in our experience of grace, we ultimately have the realization that there will be eternal glory and that there will be peace between God and man. Nothing is more satisfying, nothing is more experiential, nothing is more enjoyable than to go through your life 
realizing that God is happy with you and you are happy with God because we're intimately joined and we're mingled and the divine life is spreading and permeating throughout our entire being, grounding us in the triune God. Mm. Well, I'll say again, I feel very good over this life study and uh, appreciate the times you've been with us. And we've mentioned today, of course, the recovery version with the footnotes. We always talk about the printed life studies. These are things we're not just here trying to sell, and that's not the purpose at all of uh, our mentioning them at the end of the program. We believe these are resources that are packed with riches that will strengthen, establish, ground all of us in the faith and in our experience of Christ. We hope you'll contact us to find out about uh, how you can take advantage of them. Our toll-free number, 1-888-543-3788. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For John Pester, I'm Chris Wild. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.